What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston podcast. This is your host, Hannah Briel. And on today's show, I'm talking with George Metropolis, owner of Metropolis Life Coaching. George works primarily with young men ages 18 through 25 who feel disconnected or like they're going through the motions, and he works to empower them to fulfill their dreams. George says that one of the bigger problems he sees in today's youth is insecurity of the future. We dive into that a lot. And George and I also talk a lot about dopamine in our society, how it's probably too readily available, what leads to feeling disconnected, delayed gratification, how to instill connection, confidence, and community, and also what to do from the parent side of things. George is very passionate about helping young men discover their values and pursue their passions and lead a more fulfilling life. You can find him at metropolislifecoaching.com. Otherwise, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Super excited for today's episode. On today's show, I'm talking with George Metropolis, owner of Metropolis Life Coaching. Welcome, George. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm excited to learn more about you and what you do. So can you tell me first, what does it mean to be a life coach? So the work I do um, involves uh, helping young men, 18 to 25 years old, uh, discover their motivation, uh, get out of ruts, um, and figure out what it is that they are passionate about um, before they pursue the rest of their life. So pretty easy job, right? Pretty low stress. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, super yeah, totally, easy. totally. Yeah, mo- <laughs> mo- finding the motivation is, is easy, easy. No, no, right, no, no. yeah. So what does that look like, helping someone find their motivation? Um, so as I've worked with young men, what helps them most, it seems, is... Uh, so I work with them helping them get a physical challenge, uh, something that they care about primarily. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be physical, so not everybody is passionate about doing something physical but the way that I like to work is and the way I think is most helpful is to get some kind of physical um, goal set uh, and that that that's a way to kind of to you know get them more physically active to change their body chemistry their brain chemistry and 
help them to kind of see themselves and think about life in a new way. How did you get into this? How does one become a life coach? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the process started for me, well, many, many years ago. You know, when I was young, I always cared about helping people. Um, would always see like the people in school who are the bullies and the bullied. And I think, you know, I'd have my heart would just go out to both of them because they seemed like they were both kind of in pain. Um, which one were you? I was, I like to think that I was, uh, well, I guess I'd be the bullied. You were the bullied. <laughs> I was the bullied too. It's fine. Yeah, and yeah. then I turned into the bully, I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a defense mechanism. Yes. Yes. I was a bully in my family probably. Okay. If I have to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but you'd see both those, you know, and if we all have to fall into one of those, then um, you just see, like, that there's there's struggle there, and there's pain there, and there's a reason for that. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, why, yeah, why I went into it, and connection, and that whole kind of thing. Because when people are connected, they're, they're less likely to be bullied, and they're less likely to bully other people, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it started when I was really young. I've always cared about that and, uh, you know, moved on into my later years. Uh, I went into nursing, um, became a, been a nurse for five years now. And I worked in mental health at one of the hospitals in Charleston. And uh, I found myself working and being drawn to work with the young men that, I, that were there, so youth. Um, so these are under 18 um, that I primarily started working with. And... They were, they were very interesting to work with, to get to see the process of them learning to trust me, learning to trust other people, their peers, and also uh, being able to learn to kind of reimagine who they are and what's possible for them, to see that their passion for, you know, art or physical fitness or movies or games or whatever was, or food even, uh, that these passions were, you know, they'd heard their whole lives that it was, this was bad, or you were bad, or, uh, you know, that um, you have to fit into these, these molds, because parents want their child to kind of, they, they have an idea of what's right for their child, and they're like, my child needs to do this, and then the child's like, I really don't want to do that, and then they get into this kind of back and forth. Um, so, to see these guys come in and be like, engaging with their, uh, with their world and getting passionate about it and to see their eyes light up when they do something that they really love and it's easy for them to do just because the passion's there. Mm. Um, it's just super cool. Super cool. So that got me into like, I was like, I, I think, I think this is something that I want to pursue a little more. And so that was probably two years ago that I started thinking about it more seriously. And then a year ago I, I sort of set off and, uh, started doing, started coaching. Yeah. So you were also, I think, Everyone on this podcast is, like, someone who kind of pivoted during this COVID period Yes. of, like, we all kind of started thinking about, like, maybe just because we had more space to think, like, Mm. what do we really want to be doing? Like, is there something else? Mm -hmm. Did that happen to you? Yeah, you know, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, It was kind of a matter of, like... The world could change at any moment. You don't know. You really don't know what's what's in store the next year or the next day or, you know. And you can make all the plans in the world, but, yeah, it could, it could change at the drop of a hat without your control at all, you know, which mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's what, you know, kind of getting at is 
a lot of people are like, I want to, uh, I want to have more investment in my life. You know, I don't want mm. to just kind of like going with the flow of, of the world because that's, it could change at any moment. Um, yeah. So I think that definitely was a big part of it. For yeah. Sure. I think for like sure. we all got a big shock of like, if you were kind of just going with the flow, like going with you know, going through the motions. Yeah. It was like, oh, I don't, I don't have any control or like the control I thought I had, I definitely don't have. And Mm -hmm. like as humans, we love to feel in control Mm -hmm. when we were just slapped in the face with like everything, you know, has changed. Yeah, absolutely. That's a better way to say it. Like going, going, uh, through the motions. Yeah. Rather than going with the flow. I like, I like going through with the flow. I know. Going with the flow is great. I think, I mean, I've definitely experienced like feeling like I was just going through the motions, feeling yeah. like I was just checking off my schedule. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Putting it on autopilot and not being like an active participant in, yeah. in your life. And yeah. then you look back and you're like, oh, I just had all these weeks and I just did my schedule and I don't feel like I was really like fully engaging, fully present. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And usually it's like somebody else is making your schedule for you, you know, mm. especially if you're an adult and you're working for somebody else and you get to this point where you're like, I feel like, you know, yeah, I feel like my life is just dictated by the other people. And, and that's an, it's an interesting thing with coaching too, that I've, that I've, I've come to see and experience in myself is that people, children or adults, we change either because of uh, passion or because of pain you know, and you probably see that as a physical therapist to some degree, like you, and you probably see more of the pain side, I would imagine. But, uh, we had to change because we're passionate about something. We're fired up about it. We're excited or we change because life's gotten too painful mm. or, you know, something, you know, is getting to the point that we can't handle it anymore. So my goal, one of my goals with my clients is to, to get to that point before mm-hmm. you have to do it out of pain. Because when you get that pain, it's like, it feels really urgent. It sucks. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's just not as fun to do it when you're panicked and when you're, when you're anxious to get out of a situation. And then you're trying to change everything at once. Cause you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, I must change everything to mm-hmm. get out of pain. When mm-hmm. it's like, what is that? What was that one thing that kind of like pushed you over the edge? Mm-hmm. What if we just change one thing to get you back over the edge mm-hmm. and then you can be clear then you can like really make decisions. Right, right, absolutely. absolutely. What do you see more of? People like making changes because of passion or pain? When I work with this particular population, men 18 to 25 years old, it's the pain of parents. Hmm. Mostly it's it's I, I see apathy from the guys. You know, they like they're like, you know, they're young, they're they're and they can play video games, they can, you know, hang out with Friends, if they have friends, awesome, but a lot of them don't have that many good friends. Um, so they're usually like isolating and playing video games or, you know, being on social media or, you know, uh, just kind of doing these behaviors that that kind of lull you into the into this sort of, hmm. kind of stupor. Um, so they don't they don't seem to be they don't care about their <laughs> their situation, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, it's the parents who are like, this is, this is pretty, it's kind of scary for me because I see this kid and when I was their age, I was, yeah, I hung out with people and, you know, lollygagged and just like messed around with, you know, just hanging out. But, uh, but they don't see like the same kind of energy in their, in their kid, you know, or a healthy kind of like industriousness or 
like driven with yeah, purpose. Yeah. Right, right, okay. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and the parents are reaching out to you. Yes. So it's it's I see pain from the parents and uh yeah, just kind of a apathetic sort of feeling from the yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. What are people like what are so youth when you say youth, young men, what are the age ranges that you typically work with? So eighteen to twenty five okay. is typically what I work with. Um and I think that's that's just kind of the guys that have been uh, that I've connected with and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed working with. You know, I just uh, you know kind of exited that life stage a few years mm-hmm. ago, so um, I've got a few years ahead, you know, to kind of guide them and give them some insight. It's still relatable and still relate to them exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's a part of it that's like, you know, I think guys we respect other guys for better or for worse mm-hmm. like who accomplish physical tasks like I've run a marathon and I've biked you know long distances and uh you know just try to stay physically fit and I think there's a part of guys that's like wants to emulate maybe mm. that aspect too and so that's just been yeah who I've, who I've connected with mostly I feel like that's got to be like biological like alpha male like yeah there's something there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. of like having someone that you can kind of see as a role model and like a mentor mm-hmm. too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What yeah. are those people like, what are teens and young adults dealing with today? What are a lot of the struggles that people are coming to you with? Most of what I deal with is, uh, insecurity about the future. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of both from parents. Parents can kind of explicitly state it. And then from the guys too, it's it's kind of a like, I don't know what I want. I don't really mm. see the point in in deciding what I want to do, what I want to pursue. Um, yeah, yeah. So insecurity about the future, you know, social isolation is a big part of it mm. too. Um, it's probably gotten worse too. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's that's part of it. That's normal for us to experience as we're growing up and even as adults. Um, but it's, that's, it seems like it's kind of been exacerbated by the past couple of years Yeah. when youth, you know, they had to kind of take a break from socializing with people for mm. a few months or even a couple of years in some people's cases. And, um, those are very formative times, mm-hmm. very formative, you know, it's like, I think there's a, uh, there was a study done and it said that like one in nine, uh, youth are they're, they're uh, classified as disconnected so disconnected youth are uh, people that are not in it's like 16 years old to 24 years old and they're not in school and they're not in a job hmm. and so those are the places that people primarily learn like skills mm-hmm. learn how to mature learn how to relate to people communicate and uh, go through struggles mm-hmm. which is a huge part of it's uh, like develop. Right, right, right. Exactly. Just development. Yeah. Um, and going through like struggles is, is a huge way that we learn mm. one, what we don't want to do, but also what we do want to do, you know, cause you can't really know what to say yes to if you don't know what to say no to and vice versa. If you don't know what to say, you can't say yeah. yes to things if you don't know what you don't want as well. Yeah. It's like the importance of failure. It's, yeah. It's more feedback than failure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And like, everybody everybody I've talked to myself included it's like you go through really hard times and afterwards you look back and you're like wow that sucked and I would never want to go through it again but that was like I'm so glad I went through it yeah Um, 
but I'm, I'm so thankful for what it taught me. For what I learned. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Not that I went through it necessarily, but for, for who I am now because of it. Yeah. Yeah. So this insecurity of the future, like how does that manifest? What are these people feeling or, or doing or not doing mm, because yeah. of that struggle? Yeah. I'd say not doing is, is the key term there. It's like, they're not concerned about a job. Often, um, like parents have been paying for something, you know, some part of their lifestyle. So, um, so I tell parents to, uh, you know, maybe cut them off financially, but figure out a boundary there because they're, if they keep on just getting a paycheck you know, or like keep on getting money from you, mom and dad, then they're just going to keep on, they have no reason to change. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, not working They're uh, you know, not in school and overall just not pursuing anything kind of greater than themselves. Um, yeah. Not, and it's probably that, you know, the easiest way to think of that is, is through work. They're not, they're not thinking about, uh, a passion that they have, whether they want to start a business or, uh, go learn a skill or even go travel. Uh, you know, all these things that people have done for, you know, for so long in our culture, um, and kind of like taking advantage of those young years. Mm. Um, it's just, it's, it's an interesting, just kind of like, you know, exacerbated sort of feeling that you get from a lot of, a lot of young people. So they just, a lot of them don't know what they want. And so there's no motivation there because you mm -hmm. don't know what you want. Mm -hmm. So then you just don't try for right. things. You don't seek mm -hmm. things out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where does that, I know it's probably, you know, extremely multifactorial, but mm -hmm. where does that come from? Where does that start? And is there any way that we can like predict it or prevent that feeling from mm. occurring? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, well, I think there's part of it that's natural. Uh, like as you develop from like, you know, an adolescent to, you know, a teen and then a young adult into adulthood, like there's those different stages. And as you go from one stage to another, it's like you kind of, they're blending, but there's also this like separation, awkwardness, and so you're you're uh, you know you're relearning who you are at each of those stages and redefining yourself. So as you go from like teen to young adult, it's that awkward stage. If you don't have people around you who are inspiring you and even just maybe just putting the fire under your butt, you mm -hmm. know, to be like you need to do something, um, then. Uh, you know, then you don't have much that you're, that you're driven for. Um, so that's where, that's where I think it's, I think it's a natural thing to a certain degree. But then I also think that with the amount of disconnection that we have these days mm -hmm. and the amount of kind of un, unbridled, um, just like dopamine releasing, you know, uh, media and substances and foods and Ooh, all sorts of that. things, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of lulling us into, into this sleepy kind of state, you know? Um, and so with the dopamine, I think that, I think that's huge. And I think, uh, that's, that's why I make a physical challenge. One of the goals of my work with the guys, because, you know, when you, when you're working out or when you're, uh, when you're doing something physical or you're something that you enjoy in general, you're releasing that dopamine and it's making you, uh, you know, it's making you crave it more. It's making you want to, 
to do that thing. It's the reward system. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. and so when you when you're working out physically and you you get those endorphins and you get all that dopamine released, uh, having that having even a physical like goal mm-hmm. adds just that other layer of like I did this, I accomplished this, and it makes the it makes the experience whether good or bad experience or positive or negative experience, it makes it more addictive to you. You know, so people, you know, people get addicted to like working out, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, for better or for worse for that one, but, uh, it's easier and it's more available to just be on social media or be on, have, you know, whatever food you want, have whatever media you want, um, you know, substances as well, uh, those things all release dopamine as well. And so, and they're, they're more readily available than going on a, you know, two mile run. Like instant gratification. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they're just releasing like floods of dopamine, these things. And so the thing that your body does is, uh, when it wants to maintain homeostasis because dopamine, like it's released, like, you know, for our ancestors, you found like honey or something like that. In the woods, it's a limited supply. <laughs> You're just so excited about honey. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But you get all those calories, and it's sweet, and it's like abundant, and it's good. You, you, your body releases that, so that next time you find that honey. You're going to be like, oh, sweet, I got some honey. This is awesome. You're going to like eat as much as you can. You're going to get more calories. You're going to survive longer, that whole yeah. thing. And uh, so, but nowadays, if you have a, a you know, a big jar of honey, it's, you can, you can get it anywhere. You can mm. get food from the store or whatever. Very available. Very available. Yes. And so your body wants to maintain that homeostasis because if you were just eating honey in the wild forever, it would not be good. You know, and, and yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do on the weekend? <laughs> but as far as like being able to defend yourself from a predator, dopamine does not help you do that. Oh. You know what I mean? So, so your body wants to regulate that. So it's going to, um, it's going to reduce, or it's going to, it's going to bring the threshold for the amount of dopamine that you need up higher and higher for each time mm. that you're meeting that, you know, satisfying that, that itch. Um, so that's where we see addiction come in. You know, you get alcohol or drugs or food or media and you're getting that release of dopamine, but your body's like, Oh, I don't, I don't want, you know. I need to become come back down here, mm-hmm. so it's gonna like depress you. Not like depression, but it's gonna like depress your, uh, you know, that dopamine. And so the next time you're gonna need more alcohol, you're gonna need more substances, media, food, whatnot, to uh, to feel to feel the same kind of feeling. And so it's kind of a vicious cycle. Yeah. You know, because you need more, you need more, and eventually you get to a point where it never feels the same. Never feels like enough. Right. Right. And so, so is dopamine too available in our society today? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. I think I think I think it's uh it's tricky because you have some people who you know show some self-discipline and can uh and some knowledge about their body and about their brain and you know can kind of manage the the, the levels. Mm. But then you have uh, this kind of vulnerable population uh, who who don't know, especially kids, you know, mm-hmm. youth. It's like I was told things a million times when I was a kid. I, I didn't, it never went through. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think there's this, there's this vulnerable population. And then with a lot of parents sort of being out of touch mm-hmm. as well with their kids, it's like their kids could be getting into anything, you know, who knows what. 
Yeah. Buying anything, you know, food, buying it out of our games. Um, and, yeah, so I think it is, I think it is a little bit too available for, uh, yeah. for youth, yeah, especially. And, you know, I don't know what it, what it's like for women, you know, for young women, but I think for young guys, it's definitely dangerous. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like this issue of, we, I heard this before, uh, something called like a, a misfit diagnosis or something, essentially like our society has transformed so rapidly, but then from like an evolutionary standpoint, we haven't changed mm-hmm. that much. And so now there's this issue of we can get dopamine so easily mm-hmm. and in like pretty big amounts. Why would I wait? And like, mm-hmm. why would I choose the delayed gratification or like, why would I get it from a workout or a meaningful social interaction when I can just get it from drugs, media, social media, um, things like that and food mm-hmm. when I, you know, like it's just right there. That, and so it's like this multifactorial mm-hmm. issue of parents aren't seeing what's going on possibly because they didn't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Dopamine's too available, Mm. and then also we are more disconnected than ever, which is so ironic because, like, you know, quote-unquote social media was created to Mm. to make us more connected, but it actually made us more disconnected. Yeah, totally. So it's just like this awful cycle. Right, right, yeah. It's pretty wild, yeah. It's like your brain doesn't know the difference between, you know, a real sunset and a picture of a sunset. You know what I mean? Like, they've done studies, and it's been like the picture versus the real thing, and your brain you know, has the same response, yeah. which is kind of cool in a yeah. way because you can have a picture of a sunset and you'll still, you'll get kind of the relaxed feelings and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But then you get like, you know, sometimes you want to go, go out outside, and actually see you'll the travel. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so like, what are we missing out on because it is so available? What, like you said, like it's more of the things that mm. we're not doing. Mm. And then it makes me think about like virtual reality mm. and how that's getting huge now where like I can just lay on my couch and live a completely different world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like an existential conversation right there. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. like, so what is the downside of, mm. of this issue of like, you know, if, if I can react the same way to a picture, like what's the problem with that? Mm. That's, that's a great point. That's a great point. And I think, uh, I think the downside is individual. So it's like, you don't know the experience of, you know, hiking 10 miles and getting to the top of a mountain until you do it. You don't know the experience of running a, a mile or a marathon until you experience it for yourself. Um, you can feel that the, you can get dopamine from, yeah, from, from social media mm-hmm. or from eating a bag of chips. But it's probably going to make you feel bad, too. Mm. Well, there's, like, a lot of, like, comparison on social media, so that's a negative. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not getting your body moving, so you're not getting those other kind of, um, uh, you know, hormones released. Uh, you know, adrenaline and endorphins and uh, serotonin and stuff like that. Um, but then I think, I think ultimately, like, the, the one that I push is that, yeah, it's an individual thing. Like, you get to know yourself better through through doing something uh, that you didn't think you could do before, whether it be artistic or intellectual or physical. Um, and you get a deeper understanding of and connection to the world and other people and uh, you know, nature and um, kind of just what it means to be human. 
Mm. Yeah. Which I think, so for adults, I think adults can benefit from it. Uh, and I think that youth need a little more education, mm. you know, or a little more push. Because kids, they, they want to please their parents, you know, up until, you know, a, a pretty, you know, old age, mid-twenties for mm-hmm. most people. I still want to please my parents, yeah. for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So I think they, like, uh, you know, I think they want to please their parents, so having a little push, an external push to mm-hmm. to try something different, try something new, um, experience life in a different way, and and engage, just engage in the, with the world differently mm. is really important, and I don't think that they're going to do it on their own. Mm. Maybe when they get older... And they, and they, you know, after they go through a lot of pain, mm. probably, they would come to somebody like me and be like, I want to, you know, this isn't working out. I want to, yeah. I want to try something different. Um, but at this point, you know, they can't make that decision for themselves, not going to. So, uh, I think it takes some, some community interaction and intervention, um, to help them yeah, experience that, that different kind of life. Cause like you said, parents... You know, growing up in the 60s or 70s or 80s or 90s now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Like, my <laughs> friends are parents. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 right. It's like, you know, life was very different. Like, I remember not having internet when I was born, you mm-hmm. know, growing up. My, and, remember the cell phone? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And then oh, yeah. all of a sudden, everyone had iPhones. Like, right, right. My, like, cousins who were, like, eight got iPads for Christmas. Right. Like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. I remember having to look up, like, uh, for projects. I was doing a project on Gandhi in, like, third grade, and we had a little, like, encyclopedia CD-ROM. Oh, CDs. Yeah. I remember, like, you know when you would accidentally click the internet on your phone? Uh-huh. And you're like, delete, delete, delete. Like, I can't <laughs> yes. turn, It's going to be so expensive. Yes. And now I'm like, literally Google at my fingertips. It's true. It's just changed. It, it's changed rapidly. It has. Yeah. So what is the solution for all this? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's multifaceted, like you're saying. Um, and I think the solution is... is Connection, uh, confidence, and community. Hmm. The three C's. The three C's. Did you just make that up or did you already have that? Okay. I thought that was more. <laughs> you know, alliteration. I love it. Connection, confidence, and community. And community. Yeah. yeah. So, and at the flip side of those, you know, connection you have, but then uh, you have isolation. Mm. And uh, you have, um, oh, that's sorry, it's connect, connection and uh, ignorance. Flip side of connection is ignorance. Oh. So that's. You can be connected to yourself, know yourself. That's I think that's the most mm-hmm. important thing that people would get from uh, from coaching, mm-hmm. you know, from accomplishing any, any kind of goal is you get to know yourself in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, you also you you learn to interact with the world in a different way too. You know, you realize that you're connected to um, to this world that wasn't quite what you thought it was, especially if you like achieve this goal you're like wow this world like what is this like i i can have agency and autonomy Mm. and power in this world you know which i think a lot of kids are struggling with they're like things are just happening to me you Mm. know people are telling me to stay home or to come to come to school or to go to work or da 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 and uh the connection um connection to others as well Mm. um but i think that connection to yourself is where it starts yeah, and so you get to know yourself in a different way, um, 
And so, and that, and that work continues even after that, then you continue and you see, you know, I, th- I, I thought I would never do this. You know, I thought I would never run a marathon and I did it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I trained and I did it. I thought I would never, you know, deadlift this certain amount of weight, but I did it, you know, I trained and I did it and I didn't think I was the kind of person who would train, mm. you know, that wish it wasn't me, but I did it. Um, or I thought I would never do this art piece or connect with this, you know, community person or something. Well, it's just different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have confidence. And the opposite of uh, confidence is fear. Mm. So confidence, uh, you know, in yourself and again, confidence in the world that, um, you know, I trust, I trust myself to do what I will do, to do what I say I'll do. And I trust the world to do what it will say it will do too. Um, you know, and that helps with some of those anxieties of like, you know, what is, what is going on? What's the world? What's going to happen tomorrow? Kind of thing. Um, and this confidence, it's not saying that it's never going to change, but it's saying that, um, saying that no matter what does happen, like there's a certain truth that I can trust, uh, about the world. And then there's uh, community and the opposite of community is, isolation Hmm. um and so these these kind of all go in go in together you know it's uh you know once you kind of know yourself better more confident in yourself um and in the world then you can start to cultivate this this warm and loving and trusting group of people around yourself um and just have more security in the world have more ability to take risk and Hmm. try things uh, I think a lot of young people are pretty terrified of, like, if I try something, it's gonna. Be, I better be like sure that I'm doing it, um, because there's no going back. But when you have a community that's loving and uh, supportive, then you're a lot. You have just you just have more, you know, resources to draw from uh, emotionally to take to take those risks. It's like you have more room to fail. Exactly. Yeah. Without without connection, confidence, and community, like. A lot of these people are not trying things because they don't want to fail. But mm-hmm. then failing and trying things is how we learn and how we grow. Exactly. Yeah. And this is this is the time that they're supposed to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, our whole life is definitely like a time to fail and grow and learn. You know, fail really failing isn't failing. It's, mm-hmm. it's failing if you don't try. You know, but, but like viewing it like that is a huge reframe mm-hmm. that most people view failure as bad I don't want to fail but obviously like you're trying to shift it as failure means growth right exactly exactly yeah failure is just you tried this thing and you know maybe you just shift yeah try something different try it in a different way try it in a new way and um you know I think that uh we see a lot of disconnection in guys in school Mm. and like a lot of bullying and stuff like that and Kind of what that is at its core is um, it's easier to disconnect and gain social acceptance than it is to try. Ooh. So especially in school, you know, you see it like to be the smart kid in class is... It's not cool. It's not cool. It's not cool to care. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's not cool to care. That's a great way to say it. And it's uh, it's even worse. Worse than being... Okay, so you have the smart kid... Uh, then even worse than being the smart kid is the kid who tries and then looks stupid. Oh. Gets the wrong, it's the wrong, right? You know? Yeah. So it's either like you're perfect or you're the lowest, you know, and mm-hmm. you're probably going to get bullied for it. 
Uh, and then bullies are probably the easiest thing to do and get social acceptance because nobody wants to be bullied. So if you find that you're able to, you know, have this dominance over others mm-hmm. because you're not trying on assignments, you know, you're failing classes, you're bullying people, you're disrespectful to teachers, that's easier to do than to, than to, you know, to try. Um, and so I think guys learn that too. They see that modeled for them in school and, uh, it doesn't really work like that in life as much. Um, at least I shouldn't, I don't yeah. think. <laughs> Sometimes it does, I guess, but yeah, in, a, in a good organization or a good school, yeah. it wouldn't work like that. Um, but you see, you know, guys, guys see that. I saw that growing up, mm-hmm. you know, and it is, it is tempting to just be that be the boy exactly yeah yeah be the bad boy or you know whatever yeah Yeah, because then everyone's afraid of you and you don't have to be vulnerable yeah you just have people who are afraid of you and that's why you're friends it's like this sense of security of like if i'm mean to people if i'm a bully then people are going to want to be nice to me they're going to want to be my friend because they don't want to be on the other side of it exactly exactly yeah Yeah. how do we make kids nicer to each other like how do we get less bullies Hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I think, well, I think those three C's are really important. Mm. Um, you know, I think that kids who are without, um, you know, a good parental figure who's like active in their life. Mm. Um, and that could be, you know, mom and dad, it could be dad and dad, mom and mom, you know, or even like a, a parental figure who's supportive and guiding them and being like, I'm here for you. Um, they're more likely to bully, you know, they're more likely to struggle with, uh, you know, mental health. Um, so I think having that connection, uh, you know, kind of pushing for adults to be active in the, in the lives of the kids that they interact with. Mm. Um, not for every kid, not for, not to be interactive with trying to, you know, boil the ocean or whatever. But to, in whatever sphere of influence you have, just be a, a light, you know, be, mm-hmm. a, be a guiding presence to the kids there and not like being a guru to all the kids and like... <laughs> have all these kids following you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. picturing it. <laughs> yeah, but just being a kind person and being a supportive person and, um, you know, I think parents can just engage with the kids in things that they enjoy, you know, things that the kids enjoy um, and show an interest Mm-hmm. In the in the kid, like showing them that it's it is cool to care. Yeah, like I'm imagining yeah. like let's bring in a bunch of middle school boys and tell mm-hmm. them about connection, confidence, and community. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Who's this guy?" <laughs> like, I just want to like kiss girls and like make fun of my friends. <laughs> yeah, and I I remember less less high school, more middle school. Like the popular the popular boys were punks like Mm -hmm. they were like always messing up in class they weren't making good grades and I'm like why are we like praising those kids they were mean to the girls like they were making fun of the girls yeah but that's who was like cool yeah it's infuriating especially as a guy too I'm like wait I'm a nice guy yeah you're like a nice guy (laughs) you try you're respectful of teachers and I bet you got made fun of for that right right yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah, because I mean like when a teacher likes you in middle school Mm -hmm. You're a target for mm-hmm. sure. In like kindergarten, everyone, that's why like kindergarten teachers love being kindergarten teachers because mm-hmm. everyone wants the respect of the teacher. And then 
probably like junior, senior year, and then even in college, like you want your teachers to like you. Mm-hmm. But there's this time where it's not cool because it means you're behaving. Mm-hmm. And misbehaving is praised. Right. Amongst your friends. Right. I guess. Like being the bad kid is kind of cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. When so, you get kids, uh, you know, one on one or in smaller groups, it's, I think it's, I think it changes a little bit. Yeah. You know? Or if one kid starts to get go over onto the, the light side, you know, or whatever, then they're like, then they're like, oh, actually it's just cool to be like interested in this. Yeah. It's cool to have like interest outside of just like bullying people. And, yeah. um, you know, it's cool to be a nice kid. Then I think there's kind of a, a tilt, you know, it's just kind of okay. like, so it takes like working with them one-on-one to maybe like where they can be vulnerable mm-hmm. and not be like made fun of by their peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now, like, we've talked a lot about, like, the problem, um, the kids. What are some of the things that you do? What are some some of the tools, the things that you teach people, and what is it like to work with you? Yeah, yeah. So um, so we'll start, you know, with usually uh, intake. So if I, if I work with somebody for, you know, uh, 12 sessions or something like that, um, or for six months or something, mm-hmm. Then we'll start with, uh, you know, usually we'll meet weekly because I find adults are able to, uh, you know, kind of handle some of that responsibility if you're meeting every two weeks or three weeks or something like that. You give them homework and they do it and they're accountable because uh, they've experienced the pain. So, but with my clients, you know, they haven't gone through that, that much pain where they're making the decision to come to me. So we meet weekly typically and we'll start with an intake you know, kind of defining the relationship, defining what coaching is, what it isn't. And uh, we'll typically do some kind of values assessment for the mm-hmm. first session or two. So figuring out, you know, who are you? What do you care about? Oh, um, how do you figure that out? Well, there's some tools, you know. Okay. There's some tools like, uh, honestly, the best way that i found is just to give them a piece of paper with a bunch of different, like, words mm-hmm. written on it, values. Brene Brown has one. Yeah. Um, from I think Dare to Lead that is just like it's great just yeah. like it's Circle like all these things exactly yeah and it's like uh, you know there's probably 50 or 100 words and it's like an alphabetical order and you just read through it and you just like whatever like kind of you know strikes a chord with you yeah. your circle and then you just kind of hone down on that list until you get to like two or three mm. values um, that is that's you know it's kind of rudimentary but it's kind of like the the that's one of the best ways to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I think it's like, I think it's the it's the the act of doing it and of committing to something of saying these are my values. That it, it who knows I I don't who even knows what you know if those values are truly like your values. But I think I think the act of committing to it just brings something out that you're like okay I am committed to to nature I value nature. I value connection. I value uh, freedom or, um, you know, peace or ambition, you know, or money even. Um, and and not judging them at all, you know, just being like, this, these, are, these are the things that I value. Um, these are things that I'm interested in. And, and then you start the process of learning, okay, what does that mean to, for me to value something? You know, if I value, uh, you know, money, what does that mean? Like, why do I value money? So we'll spend some of the subsequent sessions, you know, figuring out, you know, what does this mean to you? What does money mean to you? What does nature mean to you? How does that fit into your life now? 
is there a way that you want it to fit into your life differently kind of thing? Um, and then, uh, so then we'll set a, we'll set some kind of goal. So then I'll talk with them about, you know, what is it that you care about? What is it that you're passionate about? Um, is there, is there a goal that you, uh, have always thought that you could do or that you wanted to do, or maybe that you couldn't do, um, but that you thought that could be cool if I did that. Um, and so, you know, it, it's different for everybody. Yeah. Like, uh, one guy I was working with, he just, nature was his value. And so we were talking about it and he was like, yeah, I don't really spend much time in nature at all. But, like, I, but nature's a but value. But nature's a value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was like going to work. He was going to school. He was coming home, you know, watching TV, uh, you know, maybe seeing family or friends a little bit. And, uh... And, you know, but he wasn't actually going outside and he like lived nearby some parks and stuff like that. But he never, he never thought to like go there. And, and, uh, so he's like, yeah, that might be a good idea. Like that might be something that I would enjoy. I think, I think I could. Yeah. So, so he starts doing that and, uh, and he sets a goal to go up to the mountains. You know, he lives in Charleston and he, mm-hmm. he sets a goal to go up to the mountains and like, um, and he was a little bit, he was a little bit out of shape. Mm-hmm. But he set a goal to go up to the mountains, uh, you know, I think it was like three months from then yeah. and do a hike. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, well this, you know, the, that hike's a great goal. It's, e- it's easy, you know, depending, you can find some really easy hikes. It's beautiful. You're out of nature mm-hmm. and 10 miles is a, is a great distance. Oh yeah. You know, that's more than, mo- that's more than a lot of people would ever mm-hmm. hike in their lives. Um, so he started training and going out into the, uh, you know, parks and just doing a little bit each time. And we were talking about setting goals, you know, up until that point, mm-hmm. just like you would do for a marathon or mm-hmm. for any, any kind of like physical, yeah. um, you know, uh, test. And it was the way that he transformed, he ended up doing it. And the way that he transformed over the, over the few months was just, you know, it was really just amazing to watch because when you find that thing that somebody is, is, uh, passionate about you just sense their energy change you sense you see it in their eyes their eyes just like whereas before they were looking at me with like glazed over eyes then they like start to break up yeah, yeah it's pretty wild it's pretty interesting stuff actually like yeah it's pretty interesting it's like, just fun to give someone this like anchor this mm-hmm. like goal that's based off their values mm-hmm. that's going to make them feel connected it's going to make them feel confident like it's going to give them a sense of fulfillment and purpose mm. and then now that they like have something that really like piques their interest they're much more open to change and they're they're like mm. I'll do whatever I need to do yeah. to get to that goal yeah but it, I like like how how individual it is and it's from this like very core foundation of not just like do you like working out it's like no what are your values let's start there mm. what really speaks to you as a person and then like cuz that's the why behind mm-hmm. everything yeah and I'm sure like you know we don't do that stuff in school you don't figure out your purpose your why in school right like, right right totally for totally. someone to like sit down with you and say like you are important your likes are important your passions are important yeah let's figure out how to put those passions more in your life like I imagine it's life-changing absolutely yeah yeah super cool it is it is and you know I think anybody who's gone through that experience and would agree too yeah yeah it's huge it's huge and yeah, schools don't have the resources or the time to mm. to give that kind of individual attention. Yeah. Um, so I think something the parents can do, you know, just on their own, is just 
maybe do a maybe do a values assessment with your kid. Yeah. Be like, what do you care about? Even you know, you can download that Brene Brown thing. There you go. And just yeah. be like, let's do this together. Yeah. And you do it. The parents should do it too, and just be like, this is something that's important for your future. It's going to make your life a lot better. It's going to make, you know give you more satisfaction. Um, and then if something comes up that you're like, let's set a goal. Let's do something together. I think that's a, I think that's one of the biggest things parents can do is just engage with their mm-hmm. kid in something that their child is interested in. Instead of what you're interested in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because parents are like, oh, no, I think money is important. I think yeah, a job is important. Yeah, based off their values. Right, And then right. the kid is like, well, I've always been told what to do uh-huh. based off someone else. Like, they don't have that locus of control and making decisions for them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Exactly. Man. Yeah. So mom and dad are still just like people who are kind of, uh, you know, imposing their, yeah, their will over them. Yeah. And just another thing to rebel against too, in a way. Yeah. How does it go? Like, I'm assuming at some point you have to have a conversation with the parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of parents are very scared that they're going to like mess up their kid or like Mm -hmm. that their actions, their decisions are going to really detrimentally affect their kid because like, that's just how it works. Like we get a lot of things from our parents. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you go about like helping the parents along in this process? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, I, 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 you know, appreciate where they're coming from. So it's, I'm sure it's really scary to, uh, to go through something like that, especially if they're the point that are coming to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, they just care so much. Yeah. Yeah. That you, you care so much about your kid, you know, you want them to have the best possibility for their future to get off on the right foot and all that kind of stuff. So I encourage parents to, um, to stay engaged with their child, um, to try to communicate, but, but kind of be mindful of their, of their own fears, mm. um, and do a kind of a fears assessment of, of themselves too, of, of like, Oh, you have a fears assessment too? Uh, you no, I don't, I don't have a printout. No, <laughs> I shouldn't have spiders. A <laughs> yeah. Just a list of terrifying things. Yeah, exactly. Heights and spiders. Oh yeah. my gosh. Alien. Yeah. No, aliens are cool. <laughs> aliens are cool. But the movie is, is pretty scary. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the movie. Oh yeah. It's good. It's really oh, good actually. Oh, yeah. No, but yeah. it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Great. What is something that you wish more people knew or understood about life coaching? Um, I think understanding that it's not a, um, it's not a silver bullet, you know, you come in, we do a session and so your child's going to be, you know, ready to take on the world. I mean, I think they already are ready to take on the world, but it's like, it's a process and it might, it's going to continue after life coaching is over. Um, and they will probably, probably many people involved in their life, but life coaching is a good way to, uh, to start that process and to kind of be like a, a spark, you yeah. know, to get that engine turning over and to get it revving a little bit. And then they, as they go on, you know, they, they'll end their work with me eventually, but maybe they figure out, okay, I care about nature or I care about, uh, you know, art, some kind of art I care about, uh, business, I care about money, I care about security or whatever it is that they value. I care about this thing. I want to make this more of my life, mm-hmm. more part of my life. And then they can get connected to people who are more specialized in those areas who are, you know, uh, able to kind of guide them in different ways like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think getting that first motivation and getting that first, uh, catalyst is, 
is yeah. kind of the biggest misconception about life coaching, mm. you know, that it's going to be like a, a one size fits all kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I do. I like the word catalyst because you kind of are like the life catalyst, like you start the spark mm-hmm. and with the hope of that, they like, they will continue to find their values and their passion and also find other mentors. Mm-hmm. But I also can see how someone would want to work with you forever. Like, like how mm. this could be very beneficial through a lot of different seasons of life, especially mm. like once they built that relationship with mm. you. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I'll have guys who, you know, who get to their thing and we're like, you know, I'll call them, uh, a month later and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing, man? And just like, and not, not a part of it. Just like, uh, uh, or not, a, you know, not a part of their, coaching just because I'm interested in yeah because you care yeah yeah, yeah you you, with them. exactly yeah you, yeah, you spend invested. so much time together yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's such an intense kind of interaction yeah you know friendships are one thing where you're like in family where you're just kind of hanging out and it's important to have that downtime and have time that you're just resting together and not expecting anything but then mm-hmm. coaching's like I'm expecting something from you like mm-hmm. every session we go to and it's very intense um so it's a different kind of yeah different kind of uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where can our followers and listeners find you and your practice? Yeah. So you can find me on my website. It's www.metropolislifecoaching.com. A great last name. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Under George Metropolis. And how can they get started working with you? Um, you can, uh, shoot me an email on our website. Um, or, you know, message me on LinkedIn um, or we have a phone number that you can call on there and Perfect. we can get you, uh, connected. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, George. This has been great. This was so fun. Cool. Thanks, Anna. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.